0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking week five waiver wire editions on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? Welcome to RotoViz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz, doing a solo pod as Curtis was unavailable tonight. We'll have some reaction to week four. Talk about some waiver wire additions you can make for week five. I'm recording this just about at the kickoff of Monday night football. Uh a substantial portion of the season is is now behind us and we're starting to reach the point where um, you can kind of say that you have a clear picture of where things are from a statistical standpoint. If you're looking at things like league averages uh, or players in comparison to league averages or players in comparison to their seasonal averages, a lot of these things tend to stabilize around six weeks. Generally six to eight weeks. By the time you're at eight weeks, you definitely have things settled out and kind of normalized from the standpoint of if you were gonna look at a player's I don't know, yards per reception. Once you get to around six games, you have a pretty good idea, you know, with a little bit of fluctuation up or down where that's going to land. Uh or for a quarterback, something like um, you know, their uh Yards per attempt, that's probably going to be pretty stable. A lot of these metrics, um, to a large degree, fantasy points per game would. So we're starting to get to that point where you can make a lot of guesses now about what things will look like going forward, because four games is a decent amount of information. Um, obviously, that doesn't hold for everybody. But uh, I, I just think it's worth noting, like when you're building a tool and you're looking at a game range, generally, I would say that you always have to look at at least six games to get a clear picture of what uh, is really representative of a player. So we're starting to approach that point in 2022. And I want to talk a little bit about that after we get through some of the notes from the weekend and some of the waiver wire plays. So let's just pop uh Right in here to our waiver wire sake. So at running back this week, there aren't any players that I would say drive a super, super high priority. Uh, People that have listened to the show have heard us talk about Raheem Mostert a lot. He'd be somebody that maybe you would be thinking about. uh, But we've mentioned that name so many times that I'd imagine you either have already added him or you've um, addressed your running back situation somewhere else. He would be one of those names that I would put out there. Having said that, though, obviously there's guys that you are going to think about. One of those players would be Mike Boone. Really unfortunate, but Javante Williams... Uh, Suffered a torn ACL, among other issues, which naturally brings now Melvin Gordon into a role where he should have a lot more work. Looks like he actually got a little bit banged up, but is uh, the clear player that now should control that backfield. But it makes Mike Boone, who would now be Gordon's backup, a bit more interesting Um. Worth monitoring that situation, though, right between now and when your waivers run, uh, as you could find yourself in a spot where Boone would have a decent workload heading into week five. But maybe in deeper leagues, he's one of those guys you want to stash. Um, Obviously, you've got to look to Detroit as well. It looks like Craig Reynolds might be the guy behind uh, Jamal Williams depending on the Swift, uh, the health of Swift. And then Tyler Algier, player that Curtis and I talked a ton about heading into the season, looks like he should get some run now, depending on what shakes out with uh, Daryl Patterson. Uh, I believe I did see it was confirmed that he is on the IR. Now, Damian Williams will return at some point. Huntley also had a couple of good plays, but I think Algiers, the player I'd be most interested in trying to add to my teams right now um, in that backfield. I think you're going to find more players that are of interest this week if you look to wide receivers. So Michael Gallup, first game back from injury, Uh, Ends up scoring a touchdown. uh, Ran a lot of routes per dropbacks that the team had. I think it's also notable that touchdown came on a red zone look. And honestly, um, what we're seeing here is that Cooper Rush has been perfectly fine for supporting fantasy wide receivers. We've seen C.D. Lamb be able to prosper. Uh, So Michael Gallup, I think you could feel pretty decent about. And I think that what we're seeing is that Dallas is a decent team. So between CD and Gallup, I think that those are uh, two wide receivers who are going to end up being okay. So Gallup is a player. I'd be very interested in adding to my team right now if he were available. Um, I think what we're going to see this week is there's not a lot of deep players for those of you that are in leagues where teams have 2022 20, guys. Um, Jamison Crowder suffers. The unfortunate fractured ankle, um, that's going to leave more room for Isaiah McKenzie or Khalil Shakir. Um, I think McKenzie is possible to miss the team's next game. It was concussion. We'll have to see how things play out. Uh, But McKenzie now becomes... To me, a player that I'd be much more interested in. This is where I'm going to have to take the L on what I thought about him, what I spoke about in the preseason. At this point, I would really like to get Isaiah McKenzie off my waiver wire if he were available. Uh, we talked about Rondale Moore when he returns. He had a pretty large role in the game yesterday. You saw Greg Dortch take a very large backseat. Could these two cannibalize each other to some extent? Sure. Uh, but I think that Rondale Moore, if he were still available as a player, I'd be looking to adding first game back already had a prosperous game. We'll see if that role continues to develop. So those are some of the wide receivers. Uh, the cat and the dog are going crazy right now. I apologize if that's coming through. Uh, depending on how things look with Keenan Allen, uh, we don't know if he's going to be playing again anytime um, in the next week or two. So you might look to Josh Palmer, who's been talked about. Uh, there's a couple other names in the great article that uh, Bjorn Yang Varnett puts out every week. I'll let you go and read those names. Um, and then that quarterback, we're talking about Geno Smith at this point, right? He's available in a ton of leagues. And at this point, I have recommended him a couple of weeks now throughout the four week stretch in this season as a streaming option. He really delivered last week. Maybe you're not using him every week, but I think it's fair to say at this point, there's going to be some spots where Gino Smith would be a good fill-in for you. So if you need a quarterback, he's a place that you could turn to, uh, that you could turn to. So I, I would, I want to look this up right now, uh, just to kind of underscore this point, because I'm about to share something fairly insane with you here. Obviously, Geno Smith was the QB2 on the weekend. Still have Monday night to go. Could change things a little bit depending on how Stafford or Garoppolo fare. But on the season, man, Geno Smith comes in behind Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Geno Smith. That, my friends, makes him... At the current point in time, the QB nine, probably not going to hold, but it speaks to what Gino has been able to do, which has just been really, really fun to watch. Um, so just underscoring a quarterback there that you could consider. So we've talked some about the waiver wire right there, went through it pretty quickly. What I do wanted to do, though, is talk through some game notes here, kind of just wanted to use the sound effect more than really focusing solely on. On Week 4. I wanted to talk about where we're seeing some players that have been surprises at this point in the season and give you some of my thoughts on if we continue to see that as things play out for the rest of the year. So let's just start with quarterback here. One of the more interesting things has been how solid Jared Goff in that Lions offense has been at this point. Jared Goff, as you just heard, is the QB five. In fantasy points, he has passed for 11 touchdowns tied with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson for most among passers from an NFL EPA perspective. Uh, at this point, uh, Goff has been pretty competent. You look at the passing yards right now, leads the league or nearly leads the league. Carson Wentz is just a little bit ahead of him. And passing yards, which is what I meant to say, definitely has been they've, they've been taking shots down the field. They've been passing a lot. If you look at just total yards passing, only Herbert and Allen are head of golf. I think this is probably going to hold. And uh once we see Amon Ross St. Brown back, I think that he is going to finish on a points per game basis as a wide receiver one This year, even if you look at uh, top wide receivers right now, he's only played three games. He's still in the top 10. And I guess on that note, it's really crazy what we have seen from Jamal Williams right now, who is the RB6 in total PPR, keeping in mind that he was sharing some field with... DeAndre Swift. Um, Now, Williams obviously in the past has had games where he's been solid. Um, Over the weekend, though, 19 rushes, 108 rush yards, two rushing touchdowns. Also had one uh, reception mixed in there. On the season, Jamal Williams has put up a total of 276 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns. Leads the league in that metric, by the way. Uh, And as a result of that has scored a total of 71.6 fantasy points. So when you see a player like Jamal Williams doing this, you see the offense doing some of the things that it has at this point in the year. I think you have to rule that this Lions offense, what it's doing is not a fluke and it is going to continue. Now, one of the other interesting notes here is that Jamal Williams with 71.6 points lands in the top six of running back rankings. And you've probably seen people talking about this on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, about how few points um, running backs have been scoring this year, at least through the first four games. And it really is true. If you go back and you look at nearly um, every spot, like going from like RB one down These are numbers it's been a while since we've seen. So Saquon Barkley's RB1 right now, he's put up 86 points on a point-per-game basis. That's 21.5, which obviously great for him, but we have a number of wide receivers that are besting that right now. You get down to Christian McCaffrey as the RB5. He's put up 71.8, averaging under 18 Uh, Points per game right now. Let's just contrast that and I know I'm a little bit all over the place here With some of the wide receivers at this point you have Stefan Diggs putting up 95.6 So he's at almost 24 points per game nearly two and a half to three points ahead of the rb one right now, which I think is, is kind of fascinating. You also have Cooper cup at 80 points. Uh, as I record this, uh, Lord only knows how many points he's already scored in that Monday night game. So I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, the other player that I want to talk about here, and yes, we've talked about him before. He's one of the players. I really <laughs> seem to end up talking about a lot, but we got some questions on him last week and that's Clyde Edwards, helaire And, um, My take at the time was that other backs are going to get mixed in. We saw uh, Pacheco get mixed in last night. And yeah, he looks really good. Um, But I think you still see CEH getting a lot of quality looks. As a result of that, he remains the player I'd be most interested in having on my rosters throughout the rest of the year. It's probably going to be hard to go out and acquire him. Uh, but if I were somebody that was looking to bolster my team and had some other pieces I didn't need, Edward Allaire is probably one of the players I would look at. Uh, and I think that one of the things that informs that is there's a lot of people out there that are still focusing on the fact that they don't think CEH is good. But what I think that a lot of people are failing to see is he might not be good, quote-unquote, from the perspective of thinking about him as a player that got selected In round one and he maybe isn't that good and it doesn't even matter if he is or isn't from an NFL perspective because he's in a position to score a lot of fantasy points now and useful fantasy points, especially in a year where we don't seem to have a lot of running backs that are going out and really crushing it. Uh, Probably doesn't end as the RB5, but I think it's very likely he flirts with an RB1 performance this year. And yeah, you probably see Pacheco getting mixed in. What are the odds that Pacheco's better than um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I'm not 100% sure what they are. Um, Might not be as high as some people would like to assign, but again... I don't think that you're going to see CEH get entirely mixed out. I think even with the two of them working, that could be okay because you're still seeing Edwards-Alaire getting used in high leverage situations for uh focused, concentrated fantasy points, which is what you're looking for. There's not going to be a lot of empty calories, but I think it's still going to be useful. So it's a really interesting thing with him. It seems like every time he has a good game, People want to write it off to the fact that he's playing in this offense that can score a lot of points. Oh, it's a fluke because he's not good. None of that matters. At this point, I, I think it's something worth taking note of. And if we look right now at Kansas City's backfield, so rushing attempts, 41 for Edward Delair, you have 17 for McKinnon, you've had uh, Pacheco at 28. Uh, In terms of rush yards per attempt, McKinnon's down at 3.1. You have CEH at 5.1. Pacheco at 5. The targets, though, really are a key key piece of this. The rookie has had zero targets. McKinnon's had eight. Edwards Hilaire has had 14. He's been doing great with those uh, 93% catch percentage, three receiving touchdowns, 117 receiving yards. So not to beat the CEH dead horse here, uh, but I wanted to focus on this because I think that um, there are some narratives out there on him that I think are worth revisiting. And maybe uh, I'm more open to revisiting this because I was not very high on him coming in and he kind of surprised me. Um, So when the hype on him kind of adjusted, I was able to get to the spot where,
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: Uh, not to labor CEH too much here. Another thing that I just wanted to call is that miles Sanders, uh, perhaps quietly, you could say stringing together four really good games, uh, Philadelphia has shown itself to be a very good team, which I think is evidenced in his nearly five yards per carry as three rushing touchdowns at this point, 356 rushing yards is in the top 10. Oh, you know what? Just, I, I just realized we forgot to do our players of the week. We're going to do that in a second. Um, so Miles Sanders, that's another one that looks like it could continue given how strong Philadelphia has started off. Now, if we just look at the way that the backfield is shaking out at this point, it is really Sanders backfield. He has 72 rushing attempts. Kenny Gainwell's at 15 Boston Scott at 10 in terms of targets. Sanders has a 7.6% target share to Gainwell's 6.8 Boston Scott, not really involved at all. Um, And then from a fantasy point perspective, 65 points for Sanders, 23 for Gainwell. Uh, I think that Sanders has been a difference maker for teams from the perspective of him being a player that a lot of people uh, wanted nothing to do with, but he's been proving those people wrong at this point in the year. Final player I'd I'd call out would be James Robinson. Uh, Boy. If you're somebody that really went out of your way to go after Travis Etienne on your dynasty teams, I think at this point you're probably not feeling that great with what you've seen so far. Uh, Etienne, 34 rushes, 59 rushing attempts for Robinson. Sure, he's out targeting out targeting Robinson, but only at uh, 11 targets hasn't really done much uh, in terms of scoring. Yeah. Zero touchdowns at this point. Robinson has four. So, I mean, it's hard to feel great about ETN at this point. Um, Looks like Robinson's probably going to be the guy. um, And, you know, when I say the guy, The running back, that's going to be the focal point of the rushing game. It really looks like that, uh, in Jacksonville. So I think that's one of the things that has been pretty noteworthy to me thus far. Uh, we look at wide receiver. We talked about Amon Ross, St. Brown earlier, Christian Kirk really been a uh, pleasant, pleasant surprise here. Um, definitely flirting with a top one finish at the wide receiver position, um, Cortland Sutton has been really solid. Chris Olave, though, I think is a player that we've got to talk about here for a minute. And this rookie wide receiver class, we hit upon it, I forget if it was last week or two weeks ago now, but there are a lot of players making a substantial and immediate impact. At this point, Chris Olave, 335 receiving yards, has one touchdown under his belt. Has a target share of 26%, <coughs> excuse me, 21 receptions and is a top 20 wide receiver. So we have Drake London performing very well. Jahan Dotson has been great uh, for rookie, outplayed my expectations. Um, Trey Lauren Burks now really the only rookie wide receiver um that has been a major disappointment because then you consider that you got guys like dobbs who has put up now a couple of solid games i haven't even hit every rookie wide receiver there's an obvious one that's on the tip of my tongue and not even coming to me right now that's how uh solid this group of guys has been thus far so i think that's been another one of the compelling storylines uh that we're seeing at wide receiver and then finally uh, oh, yeah, Garrett Wilson, right? That's the name I was looking for. Another interesting thing here. Uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have been a lot more usable than people, myself included, expected, you know, relates back to some of what we're seeing from Geno Smith. So that's been really impressive. That is something I also would expect to continue as we move down the stretch. Um, back to Olave, though, because I wanted to call this out. We talked about the air yards that he's seeing. He's at now, my friends, 673 air yards. Closest player behind him is Tyree Kill at 453. I think we see a couple more huge games from Olave uh, through the rest of the year. Uh, Just in case you didn't catch that uh, early game, Olave in London saw seven targets, turn them into four receptions, 67 yards and a touchdown. Saw 137 air yards that was in the game with Andy Dalton. Um, I think that Olave might be a player that you could make a redraft trade for fairly easily. If there's an owner that hasn't been paying a lot of attention, those are the types of numbers that you really like to see. So I'm getting to this very late now. Um, But let's hit the player of the week. And I think most of us know who this is going to be. Could have made a strong case for Austin Eckler, but he's a player that's been um, no stranger to having ridiculous games like he did put up two rushing touchdowns, 60 rushing yards also had Uh, six receptions for 49 yards and a receiving touchdown gets him to 34.9 points on the day, but we got to go with TJ Hawkinson here. Um, Comes out, puts up 12 targets for eight receptions, 179 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns had 111 air yards, 109 yards after the catch in 39.9 points In PPR, another feather in the cap of the Detroit Lions offense and how solid that team has been. And it looks like they're going to continue to be, which brings us to the part of this podcast that a lot of people are not going to want to hear. And, of course, we have to talk about Kyle Pitts. Uh, Actually, was that the wrong sound effect? Yeah, Kyle Pitts, man, snoozer of the week yet again. Kyle Pitts scores a measly 3.5 fantasy points. One could say, well, Mark Andrews did too. Uh, Yeah, but Mark Andrews has been really good. Kyle Pitts. Stat line, one reception on four targets for 25 yards. At this point in the year, if we look at the Atlanta Falcons offense in particular, their tight ends and wide receivers, we'll see that Kyle Pitts ranks second in target share with 23.4, which is great, but that has translated to just 22 targets and even worse, 10 receptions as he has a catch rate right now of 45.5. He's not going to finish at it, but given what we've seen so far and you look at the rates for some of the other highly targeted players in that offense right now, I doubt we're going to see him make a like something like a 20% jump right um, to around 65. He's probably going to finish somewhere around like fifty-eight. zero touchdowns at this point. I think that if I am in a redraft league right now. I'm trying to move Pitts. Why am I trying to do that? Because I want to be able to get something useful for my team today. If you're holding out hope on Pitts, um, you're probably wasting roster spots at this point. If you're not playing him and if you're playing him, I'm not sure that there's really much of a compelling reason at this point to think that things are necessarily going to change in one or two weeks. So you're probably, even it feels like you're selling low on pits. You might be selling higher than it could be later. And I'm trying to get points in usefulness for my team right now. And that's not saying that you make any trade just to unload him, but I would actively be shopping it. um, Because there's probably ways that you could improve your team right now by moving pits. Um, If we look at tight ends across the league right now, just to give you... Uh, a broader look here, because when you hear target share twenty three point four, it's like, oh uh, yeah, that's pretty good, right? Because if you look at target shares, he's still in the top uh, six among tight ends. The problem here is that T.J. Hawkinson has a target share of twenty point four, but has been targeted eight more times, also has eight more receptions. Somebody like Pat Fryermuth has seen 10 more targets, eight more receptions. And all of this stuff builds on itself because every other one of these names I'm listing is able to find the end zone except for somebody like at this point, Tyler Higby, who has 24 targets and only played three games. Even somebody like David Njoku is at 18 receptions and has a target share of 18 and a half. So these are all reasons, I think, to have somewhat of a concern for Pitts. Can he turn around that catch percentage? Yes. But most of these other tight ends are at at least a, 60, a 60% sixty catch rate. Um, and they're seeing more targets on a per game basis. So this is just not a great situation for Kyle Pitts. He's looking more like somebody, uh, you know, the ilk of an Irv Smith, who's seen 20 targets uh, in 10 receptions uh, in that Minnesota offense where he's not going to be a focal point. Um, Long and the short of it is, even with Pitts being somewhat of a focal point as reflected in his target share, we haven't seen things come together. And when I start to look at the way that this could change, um, the total volume there, in addition or compounded with that catch rate, uh, is pretty darn troublesome. So hate to end it on a bad note like that, but we are going to. Uh, As always... Tomorrow will be the GLSP uh, projection preview show. Curtis is planning on making himself um, available. We're going to try to coordinate for that. We will be streaming on YouTube starting somewhere between 830 and nine. And of course, recording in podcast form. So hopefully you enjoyed Monday Night Football. You got another couple of wins under your belt and we will see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dave and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.
2: The headlines remind us daily.